welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. So I want to say a few things before we get started. Uh, if you're new here, I'm Mike, one of the leaders at the church. And uh, like Missy was saying, uh, we are in Advent. And for those of you guys who may not be familiar with that term and what that is, Advent just means like the beginning of something, like we're expecting something. And so we're in a season of expectation, of peace, of hope, of love, of joy. And Advent is... is Sorry, three, four weeks. <laughs> yeah, four weeks leading up to Christmas. And so we celebrate that every year as a church. This year, we're not doing an Advent, a specific Advent series, because we're preaching through the book of Ephesians, and we're just taking the, the end of the book, and we're, we're using it. So we talk about Jesus every, every Sunday, and so we're just going to do that through this series and talk about the birth of Jesus as well in that uh, as we finish out the book of Ephesians. So... Um, Advent is just a really special time. Like it is just, uh, I, I love that uh, we celebrate the birth of Jesus uh, on the border between the, the, the end of one year and the beginning of the next year. And, and um, it, it, it kind of, it, it reminds us of why we lived this past year and it kind of propels us into the next year. So as you go through Advent, have that in mind that this is a season of expectation. And, and the God that we serve is a, is a God that we should expect great things from because he's a great God. And so um, expect that of God. To expect him to show up this, this month. Expect him to show up as we point our eyes to Jesus and uh, celebrate Advent together. So, um, uh, so that's that. And then I want to mention this board here. This is, this is called our serve board. And you can see it's, like, it's really cool looking. Adam made this. It's got like twine on here and little baby clothespins, which remind me of something I used to do with my youth when I was a youth pastor like ages ago. I, anyways, I won't get into that. But um, it is like all these cards here, there's probably like a thousand cards on here. <laughs> Would you add up all these? They all represent an open role in our church where we need help. Like, that's a lot. I mean, on this table and, and here, Adam, how many we got? Yeah, I don't even know. Like, 70? he says countless. He doesn't even know. <laughs> so, like, 70. And, and there, there's a lot that, that goes on to, to make this a body of Christ. And if Trinity Life Church is your home, there's a place in the body of Christ for you. Like, you may be an arm, you may be a leg or a shoulder or whatever, uh, but there's a place for you where God wants you to, to discover your spiritual gifts and use those for the kingdom. And guys, that doesn't just happen on Sunday. We're not a church that is defined by the Sunday morning experience. Uh, we have small groups throughout the city. We have the new common space that you heard about where we do all of our local engagement and our global stuff goes out of there as well. And so this has things from new common stuff on it to alpha to prayer, to Kid City, to audio help, 
uh, to worship um, and stuff. It's every day of the week. Body life groups are, are small groups. So um, come and just take a look. Like You may not be ready to jump in, but come and take a look and see because at the very least, pray that God would bring us what we need. Pray if, if this is your church, pray that God would, would bring us what we need and ask if that's you. Okay, um, so that's the serve board. Um, there'll be someone up here to answer questions, I'm assuming. Yes, uh, afterwards, and so that's up here for that. Uh, the other thing I want to mention is the Glocal gift as well. Uh, Missy mentioned this. It's something that we did last year, and she said we have a lofty goal of 20 grand. Uh, that's, it seems lofty, uh, but last year we raised almost 15,000 and there are only, and I don't know who these were, but there are only 14 individual givers in a church of almost 200. Only 14 individual givers, and we raised 15,000. Imagine what we could do if everybody gave cheerfully and sacrificially to all these things. Now, this is above and beyond if you regularly give. This is different from that. This is like, God, you've blessed us so much as a church. And again, this is if this is your church, right? Um, if you're new here, we're not about your money. Like, we are just like any nonprofit who, who like, there's Giving Tuesday this week, right? Did you guys get emails on Giving Tuesday? Hopefully not from us. I hate those emails, actually. <laughs> I don't understand why they do Giving Tuesday after Black Friday and Cyber Monday. I'm like, I spent all my money. <laughs> they should put Giving Tuesday the week before Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Um, anyways, so um, this is for you guys who are like, yes, we believe in this vision. We believe in our DNA as a church. We believe in what we do with the city and how we work with organizations. We believe with what we're doing in the West Bank. We believe in church planting. Like, guys, uh, tomorrow and Tuesday, I'll be assessing uh, eight church planting couples to plant in the GTA. Next year, we'll be planting a church in London, England, and a church on U of T's campus. Uh, like, all that comes from the global gift. Next year, we'll take two trips to the West Bank, where we, where we work with locals, and, and we, we just come alongside them and do what we're doing here in St. Jamestown. Next year, we're working with so many different organizations out of the new common space. There's so much that we do that this local gift goes to support, and 20 grand isn't even enough to do it. It's just, let's just do something a little extra. And if 14 of us gave, and I don't know, like I said, I don't know who those are. Um, I don't want to know, because um, then I'll judge you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I won't. <laughs> that was a joke, guys. Come on. Uh, if 14 of us gave last year and we, get, and we raised 15 grand, how much more could all of us do together? So I actually expect us to blow that goal out of the water. Um, that was, I wanted it to be higher. And everyone's like, Ugh. And I was like, eh, OK. Well, we'll start with 20. We'll just go five above what we were last year. So um, and we didn't have a goal last year. It just happened. Uh, and I was actually blown away. I was like, wow. Um, so I encourage you to do, to do that. Ask the Lord what he would have you give towards that. Um, and, and don't, when we give to God, guys, it shouldn't be a leftovers thing, right? We're spending a lot of money in this, in this season. My, I was talking to my dad last night, and he told me we were fighting over, like, 50-inch TVs in Walmart in, on Black Friday in the States, and, like, loading up their carts with it, I guess, to sell it somewhere else. Like, we're just such a money-grubbing 
commercialistic society. Um, now, fortunately, we, we're in Canada. Our Black Friday here is like calm, it's nice, everyone's still working, uh, but it is indicative of our, of our materialism. So um, let's not give God leftovers, but let's give him, let's give him our first and, and honor him uh, with what he's doing in our city and our community. All right, uh, so we'll talk about that throughout Advent, um, and uh, let's go into our series. So we're in this series called Uprising. The subtitle is The War is One, which is highly applicable to today's sermon. Um, and so we're going to talk about uh, all that and how it fits together. We have been going, we have themed every week to, to talk about something that uh, we want to rise up in our church. So we've talked about rising influence, we've talked about rising hope and faith and, and um, rising, and that's next week, we've talked about rising light and rising intimacy. This week we're talking about rising awareness, rising awareness. And, and so for me, growing up, I, I uh, grew up, my dad's ex-military, uh, and I grew up in a lot of uh, kind of, I grew up in some rough places in the world, and, and so the combo, like I grew up where places like you get, kids get kidnapped, uh, there's a lot of gang violence, there's a lot of, there's drive-by shootings, where I grew up in a country where riots could break out at any moment, where we would have to flee the country, things like that. Um, and, and so the combination of that, uh, my dad, I have a twin sister, and so my dad taught both of us at the same time uh, to be just aware of our surroundings, to be really aware. So, so like, for instance, I already have like 50 scenarios played out in my mind if something happens in this room. Uh, that's just like how I think, and it's almost subconscious. Like my dad just raised us like that. And, and there's an element of being prepared and being aware that kind of combines together and, and just makes me prepared for a lot of different outcomes and things. And I think it's actually why we're probably still alive. Because uh, we've been to a lot of different, I mean, apart from like God's grace, and we know that God has called us to do certain things, and, but it's this preparedness and awareness that has keep, kept us from like a bunch of different things. And we've, we've missing and I've been in a lot of different countries where it's been pretty, pretty volatile. We were in Tripoli in 2013 after the Gaddafi regime fell, and this is car bombs going off and automatic gunfire and uh, militia control, like four different militia in, in Tripoli controlling this. Uh, we were in Rio where I think we may have been kidnapped. Like, just, <laughs> I don't know. I still don't know what to make of that whole situation. Um, and... And, uh, you know, we're in, we're in Istanbul after, right after the attempted coup, and that was interesting. Uh, we've been in, like, Cape Town and Joburg. If you've been in those places, like, you know what I'm talking about. They're just, they're just, um, uh, yeah, there's a lot going on in those places. I've uh, been in the West Bank where there is, I've been tear gassed, and there's, uh, there's gunfire, and there's fires, and there's riots. Um, and in each of those situations, and there's probably more, um, in each of those situations, I've always had an exit strategy. I've always had a way out. I've always said, if this happens, then we're going to do this. But if that happens, then we're going to do this. And if this happens, this, this is what's going to happen. And so there's all these eventualities that I have in my mind that, that play out if something happens. And, 
And I think a lot of people, if they're not prepared and aware, what ends up happening is you panic and you may die. And, and that's not good. That's not good physically, but it's also not good spiritually. And spiritual preparedness and awareness is just as important, if not more necessary for us, because we're in a battle. We're in, we're in, a, we're in a world when we're in a territory where we are constantly being attacked. And if you try to live your life like you don't, like, not aware of that, then, then, like, the enemy may have his way with you. And so as we talk about awareness today, the key here is not to be, is not to be aware of the enemy. And I want to make that clear for you guys. Like, there is an enemy out there uh, who is trying to destroy us, and we'll talk about that more. Uh, but what I want the rising awareness piece to be about is about Jesus. Because if we're aware that, there's, that there is a strategy to rescue us and there's a, strat- and there's a way out of temptation, right, then that's going to change everything for us. That's going to change how you battle. That's going to change the war that, that we're living in, right? Because you know that Jesus has done something significant, okay? And so our rising awareness this morning isn't, hey, the enemy's out there and I want you to be scared. People ask me, am I... Like, in those situations that we've traveled in and been in, they're like, are, are you, have, were you scared? And I'm like, no. Because, like, we know, and, well, a few reasons, but I'll just say no. Um, there's no fear in those situations because there's an element of awareness and preparedness. And, and if we can have that in our battle against the enemy, that's going to change the way uh, temptation comes your way. That's going to change the way you, um, uh, you experience the abundant life, okay? And, and so this morning, I want, you, I want us to focus our eyes on Jesus and what he's already accomplished on our behalf. So here's the bottom line for this morning. It is awareness and preparedness lead to holiness. And the reason I say holiness is because it is a... It, it is, a, it is not about living a good life. It's not about being, uh, looking, looking great. It is about the life that Jesus came to give us. There's so many places in the scriptures where, where he says, be holy as I am holy. There's other places in the scriptures where, <clears throat> where uh, yeah, we're just called to walk forward in sanctification. And Jesus says, you have been, or Paul says, you have been sanctified in Christ and there's this point where we have been, but then we don't feel like we are because it's also this process. And so if we're aware and prepared, it will lead us into the abundant life, into this life of holiness that God has laid out for us as followers of Jesus. So if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, uh, a lot of this is going to be for you to see how you live that sort of life. And if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, this is one of your first times here or, or in church, um, this is something that you can say, wow, that's what is offered in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So have, have those mentalities, whether, whether you are a follower or you're not. And let's jump into the text. So uh, I'm going to read out of Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, this, is, this is the Bible. This is a letter that Paul wrote to a church, the church in Ephesus. And guys, this church, they're all new believers. They're all trying to figure out, like, how do we, how do we live this life? 
How do we live this life in Jesus? And so he says, finally, and actually this whole passage is on the armor of God, and in it, if you know anything, if you know some things about the Bible, um, the Bible isn't a bunch of separate things put together. Uh, it is one whole thing with a narrative that goes across, that sweeps across the entire Bible, and it's all interconnected, okay? So this, this passage here is talking about this armor that we are wearing, but, and, it, and it makes us think of Isaiah chapter 59, where there's this divine warrior that's going to come and rescue us, and he's wearing this, this breastplate of faith, and, and he's wearing this helmet with the hope of salvation. And Paul actually talks about this in Philippi, or sorry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 as well, and he alludes to this divine warrior, and here's another allusion, allusion to the divine warrior. And the divine warrior, guys, um, what Paul is not saying here is that you are now the divine warrior. Okay, a lot of us think that this is, like this armor, we're, we're putting it on and now we're going to be this divine warrior who conquers and is the victor and who overcomes. Your job is not to conquer. Your job is not to be the victor. Your job is not to overcome. Jesus did that for us. He's the divine warrior. He's the one who wore this armor in full and won the battle and the war for us. You don't have to do that. Okay? So... He's not saying here that the church is now the divine warrior. He's not saying that you individually are now the divine warrior. He's putting us in Jesus. And we trust in Jesus for these things, okay? So rising awareness. You're not alone in your battle against sin. You're not supposed to fight it out of your own self. You're supposed to fight it in Christ Jesus. So he says, finally, and a lot of you guys are like, Finally, we got to the end of the book. Like, we're finally, we're finally here. We've been going through this all fall, and so many of you have been waiting for this passage, because when most people think about Ephesians, they think about this passage in particular, and um, this, is, this is like a really, it's just a really um, amazing passage. So, he says, finally, and sorry, we're not going to go through the entire thing today. We're going to go through it in pieces over the next few weeks. Uh, so, finally, be strong, and Missy pointed this out, in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. This shows our insufficiency, guys. You're not supposed to be strong in yourself. You're not supposed to be strong in, in your gifts. You're not supposed to be strong in your talents. You're not supposed to be strong in your own abilities. You're supposed to be strong in the Lord. Most of us against our battle with sin, with temptation, against the devil, against the enemy, against Satan, against his, his demons, minions, however you want to think about it, um, against the spiritual forces of darkness, most of us think that we can be strong in our own willpower. And you're like, oh, I know I'm supposed to be strong. Think about this. You, you, are, you are dating somebody, and you're like, oh, it's okay if we're if we're alone in a room privately by ourselves. And you think, we can, I can handle that. I'm strong enough to handle that. And then what happens? The enemy comes in. And next thing you know, you've, you've done something that you regret, that you don't want to do. Um, and then you keep on putting yourself in those situations. And... And like the easy thing to do, guys, is just not to put yourself in those situations. But for us, we think, oh, well, I'm strong enough. I can do it. 
I, if temptation comes, I'll, I'll be ready for it next time, and I'm going to fight it off. For those, for those of you guys in here who, who battle with something like pornography, guys, and not just men, guys in general, like guys and girls, because it's not just a male issue, it's, it's not as hard as you're making it out to be. Like, stop putting yourself in situations where you think you're going to be strong enough and you're not. Don't look at your computer at 1 a.m. in the morning when you're by yourself. Like, those are simple things. Like, we, we just think we're strong enough on our own free will. We think our, our, our flesh isn't weak. We think it's strong and we can, we can fight this thing. And the Bible says you can't. You can't do that. Your flesh is weak. And your flesh is willing. It's willing to chase after whatever temptation comes your way. So this, Paul is reminding us here, our strength is in the Lord. And, or that is, he should, is, is also a way it's translated, in the strength of his might. You know, um, Nehemiah says that, I'm going to put a blank in here for you guys. Nehemiah says that the blank of the Lord is our strength. Does anyone know what that blank is filled with? You don't have to shout. What did someone say? Yeah, joy. That's not the first thing I would think of. So Nehemiah says, now, a lot of us know it from a song, right? There's a song with that. Um, some of us know it from a song. I don't know what song it is. But. Okay, there's probably a bunch of songs. That's not it. <laughs> that was, like, from the 80s. <laughs> Um, there, yeah, the joy of the Lord is our strength, he says. And why? Like, why does he say that? Why does he say that it's the joy of the Lord that's our strength? Because if we, if our, if we find our joy in the Lord, we're not going to search it, search for it somewhere else. If you are actually living the abundant life in the joy of of the Lord, and he's your joy, and joy is this deep-seated contentment in the goodness of God. And that's a simple definition. It's a deep-seated contentment in your heart for the goodness of God. And you are satisfied in God's goodness. And if we could actually be satisfied in God's goodness, then whatever circumstances come our way, whatever hard, rough, tough circumstances, which all of you are probably experiencing some sort of rough circumstance. If, if that comes our way, then the joy of the Lord, if we have that, then we are strong in the Lord. We are in the strength of his might. And whatever the enemy throws our way, that cannot stop us. And that cannot derail us. Because we are founded in the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. And so... He's, so Paul is reminding us here, reminding that, reminding us of that here, that uh, the joy of the Lord is our strength. He says, be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might, and how do we do that? So he's told us what to do, right? Just, it's a command, be strong in the Lord. Now, how do we do that? Verse 11, the first part of verse 11, put on, <coughs> excuse me, put on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. The full armor. Put on the armor in its entirety. Put everything on. We'll talk about the armor in a week or two, uh, but just basically helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, uh, gospel boots uh, of peace, uh, shield of faith, sword of the spirit. That is the full armor of God. 
that we're supposed to wear. And, and, uh, and many of us may have pieces of that, but we don't have the full arm of God on all the time. He says that is necessary if you're going to be doing battle. If you're going to be in this battle, you've got to have that full armor on. Uh, take a look at Jesus in Luke 4. Uh, Jesus in Luke 4, uh, he just is starting his ministry. He goes into the wilderness. He is tempted by the devil. The devil comes and tempts him and throws all these big temptations at him. Jesus fights him off with the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and he, he just replaces, replaces lies with truth in those moments. He, he replaces lies with truth. Okay, um, and, and, uh, and we see the full armor of God on Jesus in, in this account. And then the very last verse says in Luke 4, I think verse 13, says that the devil leaves him and waits and is now waiting for an opportune time. He's coming back. Think about, think about that. Like he sees Jesus in this full armor, he goes and he's waiting for an opportune time. What in your life right now is creating an opportune time for the enemy to strike? Think about this, if he strikes you, you don't have that helmet of salvation on, boom, your head's gone, right? If you don't have that shield of faith, you can't deflect anything. If you don't have that breastplate of righteousness, uh, sword just penetrates your heart. Right? That's, that's the imagery we have here. And the enemy is just waiting for an opportune time. How many opportune times did you give him this week, yesterday, this morning? And when we think about the armor of God, th- think about it like this. The, just, just take the shield of, let's take the shield of faith. Guys, this isn't this isn't our faith. Here, here's the thing about the armor of God. You didn't make it. You didn't forge it. You didn't even find it. Jesus gave it to us. But it's still your responsibility to pick it up and to put it on. So this, the shield of faith, this isn't your faith. This is his faith. This is Christ's faith. The sword of the spirit, the word of God, it's not your word. It's God's word. The breastplate of righteousness, it's not your righteousness. We are filthy. It's Christ's righteousness that we put on, okay? Hopefully that changes a little bit in your perception of this. If you're putting on your breastplate of righteousness, it's like putting on a piece of leather versus a piece of metal. It's gonna fail you. If you're picking up your shield of faith, it's like having a paper shield versus a metal shield. Enemy's gonna cut right through it, okay? So this isn't dependent on you to have massive faith. This is dependent on you saying, do I have faith in God that he is faithful? Do I know that God is faithful? Do I know that Jesus is good? And when you, like, when, if you're not wearing the breastplate of righteousness, or let's, let's go the gospel fitted with, with peace, right? You have boots, uh, shoes with the gospel of peace. Um, what are you letting reign in your heart? Is the peace of Christ ruling in your heart, or is... Uh, bitterness and anger and unforgiveness in your heart. That's an open door. That's an opportune time for the enemy to come strike your feet because it's not 
clothed in peace. Shield of faith, if you're, if you're depending, if you're, if you're doubting God's goodness and God's faithfulness, that's an opportune time for the enemy to strike. Let's take the sword of the Spirit. Guys, this is your only offensive weapon against the enemy. It's the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. How many times did you pick that up this week? How many times did you pick that up this month? Well, it's only a second. Last month. <laughs> right? Like, it's your only offensive weapon, and we're just letting it sit there on our nightstand. Or we're letting it sit there on our coffee table or on our phone. And we choose to go to our Candy Crush app. Is that still a thing? People still play that? I hope you don't still play that. We're still going to our Candy Crush app over our Bible app. You're still going to your sports app over your Bible app. Like, and we, we make these decisions every day, and you're choosing to let the sword just lay there. And we see here Christ's example in Luke 4. All he does is use the sword, and he wards off the enemy over and over again. And we have not hidden that in our hearts. The psalmist says, hide the word of the Lord in your heart that you might not sin against him. And you're not doing that, and you're wondering why, I keep on, why you keep on failing. So, Again, this is Christ's, it's not ours. He's done it all for us. And so I want you to be aware of that this morning, that he's the victor, he's overcome. He is, he is righteous, he, is, he has been the most faithful, and he will still be faithful even when you're faithless, Paul says when he writes to Timothy. So he says here to put on the whole armor of God. Why? that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Guys, in the first few chapters, or in the, first, in the previous few chapters of this letter, Paul has said to walk. He said to walk in unity. He said to walk in holiness. He said to walk in love. He said to walk in light. He said to walk in wisdom. And now he says, just stand. Just stand. It's almost like if you think about a journey, like we've been walking in light, we've been walking in wisdom, we've been walking in holiness, we've been walking in love, and now we're here. We're standing on love. We've realized the fullness of Christ's love. We've realized the fullness of, of unity in the church. We've realized the fullness of holiness and, and these. And not that we're, not that we've arrived at the destination necessarily, but it's like, we're aware of these things. We're aware of the power of these things. We're aware of the beauty of these things. We're aware of how these things have crafted the gospel in this like, just amazing, beautiful way. And, and now he says, stand firm. Like, stand firm on those things. You've been walking in those things, now stand firm on those things. Has it, have any of you guys ever been in a standoff? <laughs> like, um, not like a... <laughs> uh, like, you know... They call that a, yeah, I won't say what they call that. Um, but yeah, not like that, not with guns, and, but just like maybe relationally or at, at, at work or you know, with coworkers, and, and you know you're supposed to stand firm, and whoever moves first or flinches first or takes a step forward first is going to be the loser. Right? That's, that's like a basic standoff. So I've been in one of these. <laughs> with one of my daughters. And I actually can't remember which one it is. Tell me if I'm wrong. I think it's Emerson at the zoo. Do you remember this? 
Oh, Reagan. I thought it was, because she's more stubborn. So <laughs> I'm sorry, sweetie, if you listen to this later, but it's true. She's, she's more, she's like her mom. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. She's like me in that way. Just really, just really stubborn. Um, and yeah, it was Reagan. So we're at the zoo. We'd been here for, <clears throat> we'd been in Toronto for maybe a year or, or so. It's our first summer. We took the girls to the zoo. And um, Reagan's always had like really dense bones. So she was, she's just like, was, was heavy as a baby. And, and she's probably, she's almost two years old, so she can walk. And I'm carrying her through the zoo. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm carrying her through the zoo. It's a really hot day. Um, yeah, really hot that day. I don't, I don't know why it was so hot in the summer that summer, but um, carrying Reagan. And we're rounding, if you've been to the Toronto Zoo, which is amazing, we're rounding where the giraffes are, right? If you, if you can picture this, where the giraffes are. Uh, giraffes, we just came from like the lions, the giraffes are here. And you kind of walk, there's like this whole long pathway to where you go into like this forested area. So um, when we get to the giraffes, I'm like, sweetie. And at this age, if you don't have kids, between one and two was one of my favorite ages because at this age, they understand everything. They understand, but they can't, they don't speak everything, but they know exactly what you want and what you mean. They understand everything. And I love that age because they're not talking back yet. So, <laughs> um, so I was like, I'm talking to Reagan. I'm like, sweetie, I can't hold you anymore. I, you have to walk. And she's like, no. And I put her down. I'm holding her hand. And I go to walk, and she doesn't walk. And she like rips her hand from me, and she just stands there. And I'm thinking, I'm just going to walk, and she's going to follow. So I walk, and I'm walking. I'm walking. I look back, and she's just standing there, like staring at me. You know, like. <laughs> Uh, and I'm, I'm like, it's too late now. I, can't, I cannot budge. And so I'm walking, walking, walking. And, and I turn around. And, and so I turn around. Reagan's looking at me. We're facing this way. And, and I say to Reagan, you have to come. And, and we're about you know, 10 meters apart now, which is a significant distance. right? And I'm like, you, you have to come. Uh, and, Missy's there, and Emerson's there, and I think we may have had other family there. They're, they're going, and, and then they stop. And, and probably someone's like, just pick her up. And I'm like, no, this is a standoff. And, and she's, yeah, she's standing there, and um, she takes a step back. And she looks at me, and she's like, I know you're not going to leave me. Like, it's that look. Like, and you will pick me up, <laughs> right? And so what do I do? I take a step back. And we're like just staring at each other. I'm like, you got to come. And I'm like, guys, we do that until we're like 50, 60 meters apart from each other, right? Like, neither of us are backing down. She's like totally my daughter. And, and, I'm, and I've, she doesn't know this, but I've gone as far back as I'm willing to go. Because of what I told you earlier, I have all these, so 50, 60 meters, I have all these thoughts in my mind. If someone comes, like, runs by and picks her up and chases and, like, runs off with her, because no one is by her. She's by herself out on an island. There's people all around. I'm like, if someone, what if someone kidnaps her right now? Like, well, I mean, what if this kid, like, comes and just bullies her and pushes her down? Like, I'm thinking all these things, right? So I'm as far back as I'm willing to go. And, and she just, just, just staring at me. 
but she's not as far back as she's willing to go yet. She takes another step back, and at this point, I'm willing to break. Like, I'm almost break. I'm, like, leaning this way. I'm about to take a step forward, right? And, uh, guys, you should have seen the scene. There's people all around us, and, like, I can see her, like, just right there. And she's, like, looking at me, and, like, people are looking at us, and they're like, what's going on? I swear it was high noon, and, like, a tumbleweed rolled by. Like, I mean... We're just like waiting to see who's gonna flinch first. And I'm like about to go like this and she takes a step forward. And I'm like, ah! I'm like, that's right. You come here. And I actually met her like halfway and, or three, maybe one a third of the way. Um, and then grabbed her hand and she walked. And, and, and guys, the, the point of that is, it's really hard to stand firm. You know, we read this passage, and, and he's like, just stand firm. But it's really difficult to do that. Let's put this in the context of spiritual warfare and temptation. We're just trying to stand firm, and the enemy has his schemes, Paul says. And the schemes, like, cause us to lean forward. They cause us to want to just chase after, uh, I kept on saying Emerson, but it was Reagan, right? They, they cause us to keep on chasing after Reagan, and they cause us to keep on chasing after uh, whatever, like, whatever is, he's trying to pull us away from this love, he's trying to pull us away from unity, he's trying to pull us away from holiness, he's trying to pull us away from wisdom and light, these things that we're supposed to walk in, and he's saying, no, 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 this way's better. No, no, come over here. It's, it's, it's okay. And, and Paul says here that his schemes in, in chapter 4 this word is used as well, and they're called deceitful, they're called cunning, they're called crafty. And the enemy's main tool for us are lies and manipulation and deceit. And this battleground, is why we keep on saying this, the primary battleground for spiritual warfare is close. The word for this in the Greek, uh, or in the Greek there's this word in this sentence, in this verse, that talks about it being face to face has this connotation of, guys, the enemy is right here. He's not over there catapulting stuff over a wall. He's whispering in your ear. He's, he's not over there and we're over here. We are in enemy territory. You're in it every day. You're surrounded by it. And the enemy is seeking someone to devour. And you may not be in, you may not be in, in danger of being kidnapped, but the enemy wants to steal your joy and your peace every day. You may not be in, in danger of being blown up by a car bomb like we were, but the enemy wants to blow stuff up in your life every day. He's trying to do that. And we need this full armor of God on us if we're going to succeed. We just have to pick it up and put it on. We don't have to create righteousness. We don't have to create faith. We don't have to create salvation. All those things belong to Christ. We just pick it up and we put it on. And we walk forward in those things because the enemy is so crafty and so deceitful. John calls him uh, the deceiver of the world. He calls him deceitful from the beginning. Jesus calls him the father of lies. And he's whispering stuff in your ear every day. And he's close. It's close combat. And he's right there. And he's seeking someone to devour. And as much as Satan, though, tries to act like a roaring lion. We know who the true roaring lion is, right? It's Jesus. Jesus is the lion of Judah. He's the victor. The war is won. He's overcome. He's victorious. He's conquered. And we stand firm in that victory. 
Even though we're still in the midst of battle, we stand firm in that victory. And that's a huge perspective shift in awareness that I want you to have this morning. Because he says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Do you realize that? Like, your battle, guys, isn't against your coworker. It isn't against someone in this church, your brother and sister in Christ. It isn't against your mom or your dad. It isn't against your siblings. It isn't against any person. Jesus tore down, in Ephesians chapter 2, he tore down that dividing wall of hostility. Paul says he actually killed it. It's a weird phrase, actually, in, in the Bible, in Ephesians 2, that he says Jesus killed the hostility. It doesn't live anymore. It should not live anymore between us, but we keep on resurrecting it and breathing life into it. And he says here that uh, our battle is not against each other. That's what that means. It's not against flesh and blood, guys. It is against the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And when you hear that, you're like, oh, that is like hardcore. (laughs) How do we battle against that? How do we battle against rulers and authorities and uh, cosmic powers? How do you battle against spiritual forces in the heavenly places? Like, how do we do that? We don't have to. Jesus has done it. It's just saying, Paul's just saying here, like, we are in that battle with Jesus, but he's overcome already. Because in Ephesians chapter 1, Uh, Verse 20, this will be on the screen for you guys. It says, according to the working of his great might, verse 20, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all, here's those four words, all rule, all authority, all power, and all dominion. He's seated above all those things. That's where our battle is, and Christ has already won it in Ephesians chapter 1. And above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under Christ's feet, this time out, God put all things under Jesus' feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church. Gave him as head over all things to the church. Go back and listen to that sermon. That's such a significant phrase for us as a church. Verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all. He's overcome those things. And the last, the last verse here, verse 13. So what now? What does that mean for us? If that's, our, if that's our truth, if that's our reality, verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Again, he reiterates this. Like He reiterates that this is necessary, this is needed in this battle. The whole armor, all of it that you may be able to withstand in in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Guys, what is our what is our victory in? Like if Jesus is victorious and he's overcome, what is what is that victory in? Is it in I mean our our victory it's it's not in Bloodshed. It's not in death. It's not in, when we think about war, we think about these things. It's not in bloodshed. It's not in death. It's not in, in division. It's not in strife. It's not in affliction. Our victory isn't in suffering. It's in truth. It's in righteousness. It's in peace. It's in love. It's in joy. It's in hope. It's in 
salvation. It's in faith. It's in, the, it's in the word of God. It's in Jesus exemplifying all those things for us. And the, the beautiful part of this is that even, even these things that were meant for our destruction, God redeemed them for us. He took all those weapons of the enemy, bloodshed, death, division, strife, affliction, and he, and he used them for us. Jesus shed his blood for you. Jesus died on the cross for you so that you would have life and forgiveness and hope. Jesus, in the end, all his friends deserted him. They were so divided. They just, they just ran away. They were so scared and, and pent up by fear. They, he, went, he went through all these things. And that day that Jesus died on the cross, guys, the enemy thought he won. He thought it's over. I just killed the person who's going to come and rescue everybody. And he thought, this is my victory. And this is it. But through bloodshed, through death, through division, through strife, Jesus redeemed all of those things and all those weapons of the enemy. That cross became the scepter of the king of kings. It became Christ's greatest glory. Those scars became his greatest glory because he knew on that day that he actually won. And that's what we have for us because three days later, Christ resurrected from the, day, the dead, conquered the, uh, the grave, he conquered death, he conquered sin, he conquered all the weapons of the enemy. And so whatever the enemy tries to throw at us, guys, it does nothing against the armor of God if you have it on. It does nothing against it. The enemy has no power over us. Our power is in Christ Jesus. He is seated in the heavenlies. He's overcome all rulers, all authorities, all cosmic powers, all spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And we are seated where he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Your life is in Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus today, that should give you hope. That's your truth. That's your reality. Your reality is not in this world. The hard circumstances you're going through, that's not flesh and blood. That's those other things. And Jesus has conquered those. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, that's the type of life that's offered to you through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That there is... There's that in, in the midst of your, of your suffering, there's actually hope. That in the midst of your poor circumstances, there's actually joy that can be found. And so we invite you to that today and, um, and just, just say that this is what Jesus came for. Like in this season of hope and expectation, Jesus came to give us these things. So as we look forward to the birth of Christ, as we look forward to the birth of our Savior and celebrating that together, uh, remember, just remember that. Remember he came to give us this abundant life that, um, that is awareness of who he is, being prepared with the armor of God, and it's going to lead us into holiness, into that life. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is true. Thank you that you've just spoken that over us through song today, through prayer today, through your scriptures today. And we ask now that you would just continue to uh, lead us by your spirit that if there is healing that needs to happen in this time, that you would restore, that if there is brokenness that, that um, 
needs to be mended, that you would do that. That if there is unforgiveness in this room, that you would come and show us your forgiveness. That spirit, you would just come on us uh, during this time and fill us with your spirit and produce your fruit among us as we celebrate you. We ask this in your name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.